Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's me, Steve Agee, and you're listening to my podcast, Uh, on the Feral Audio Empire. Uh, speaking of Feral Audio, if you're uh, listening to this from uh, the Feral Audio site, even if you're not, if you're going to do, if you plan on doing some Amazon shopping, uh, why don't you click the little button on our homepage at Feral Audio or on my page that is connected with Feral Audio or any of the other podcasts on this network? There should be a little button to go shop at Amazon. Click that. Go do your shopping. I'm not going to judge you. Whatever you're buying, I don't care. You could be buying a gallon of lube. It's fine with me. You know, you're a sexual being. Buy it. Use it. Um, <laughs> abuse it. Do whatever you want. Uh, we won't judge. And also, you don't get charged anymore for doing that shopping through us. But the artists at Feral see a little bit of a kickback. It's just a, a small way of tipping your hat and saying thank you to the artists who are doing this for nothing. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so that's all I'm going to say about that. We're moving right along. Uh, today's episode, um, we have my guest, my dear friend and former roommate, Chris Tallman. Chris, uh, you may recognize from a show on Comedy Central called Crossballs a few years back where he was a Chris Matthews type uh, talk host, uh, you know, kind of like one of those political discussions. Uh, very funny, created by Matt Besser and uh, often had guests like Rich Fulcher, Andy Daly, Jerry Minor, uh, so many UCB people. It's very funny. If you can find it somewhere, please go watch it. I'm sure it's out there. Uh, even if it's YouTube, you should go watch it. Um, Chris was brilliant on the show, and that was around the time we were roommates. And we get into that as well. And <laughs> you'll probably go away from this feeling really sorry for Chris. <laughs> Uh, more recently, you may notice Chris from uh, the Nickelodeon show, The Thundermans, where Chris plays the father in a family of superheroes. Uh, it's a very good show, actually. And uh, if you have kids, you probably already know that. Um, so check it out and follow Chris. He is at Mr. Tallman, I believe. Or Mr. Chris Tallman. Holy shit. We get into that in the podcast, too, at the very end. I believe it's Mr. Chris Tallman. Uh, MR, not the word mister. And, and that's Twitter and Instagram. So give him a follow. He's awesome. And uh, I'd like to thank him for doing this. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Thanks. AG. 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 You should just make that the opening for the show. AG. 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 Uh, uh, uh. On a good day. AG.
On a clear day, I can see Steve A.G. On a sunny day, A.G. I can see my house from here. On a day when dessert is on fire, A.G. Dessert or desert? Dessert. The desert can't be on Why fire. Would des- the desert can absolutely be on fire, probably more than dessert. How, how would the desert be on It's all sand and rock. No, but- there's... Well, the Sahara, yeah, but like Joshua trees full of like Joshua trees and brush and tumbleweeds. Is that technically a desert? Joshua trees that count as a desert? What do you, what would you call it? I've never I've never been there. I've only seen it on the cover of a U two album. Yeah. No, it's a high rise on Mojave Desert. It's the oh, high desert. We okay. call it the high desert. What is that in reference because to? People go to mushrooms there. Oh no, no, that's not why they. It's like four thousand feet because the altitude. Okay. Yeah. Is it hot? It must be if it's a desert. Yeah, right? right now it's probably we're recording by the way. Right now it's probably Delete all this. Oh god. No, this is good shit. <laughs> AG. 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 Steve AG. Steve AG in the morning. You're listening to Chris and Steve in the morning. Hey everybody, I uh, hope those drive times are working out a little bit for you. Oh, it's a hot one out there. <laughs> Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, currently we are shooting this. This is the first day shooting. We're recording this first day of summer, right? Yeah. Happy summer. Happy, happy summer. 97 in Los Angeles. We're in Sherman Oaks, though. So it's it's hotter here. 109. Yeah, that sounds about right. Joshua Tree, 106. It's cooler in Joshua Tree. Wow. So if you were the smart kid who went to Joshua Tree today. I almost went to Joshua Tree last night. For what? Rock climbing? No, just I haven't been in like six months. When it's this hot, aren't the rocks like untouchable? Don't you? Don't? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you? But isn't there but- friends that live out there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I just go. I'll take my camera and take photos. We go to the studio and just lay down some tracks. I, I have. I recorded an album in Joshua Tree. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like a music album. Yeah. Like, like what kind of music? Like comedy songs. Oh, OK. That's probably too loud. That's cool. Like, what's, give me the title of one of your songs. Is I it out already? One right now. No, no. I have to mix it and everything, but I have some rough stuff on my... I'll play them into the microphone. Oh, this will be great. This is going to be good radio. This is going on YouTube immediately. You get ready to not make any album sales because you're putting it out for free. <laughs> I'm radioheading myself. Yeah. I feel like we're beginning like a cool show. Ooh, is this all you? Yeah, so that's. Well, no, I'm playing guitar, and uh, my friend Joe Travers is playing drums, and Pete Griffin is playing bass. And these are, you know, I do a m- monthly mm-hmm. music and comedy Baked. show yeah. called Baked. And um, I've been doing it for two years, and when I started it. <laughs> It's the premise is we have our comedian friends come on and do a set. Right. And then they play a song with our band. And uh, oh, the, the comedians do. Yeah. Oh, so they the, the comedians are all getting to live out the rock star dream. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I was like, I was like, oh, you know, if I write a song every month because we do it monthly. Right. In a year, I'll have enough songs for an album. Right. And like comedy, but com- comedy songs, but like heavy rock songs too. Love it. And uh, so I was, I was really doing it for a while. I was like able to just crank out a song a month, and I and then uh, 
We went to Joshua Tree to Rancho De La Luna, where Queens of the Stone right. Age have recorded. And oh, I watched that the Sonic Highway. Oh, you did? Okay, oh, yeah. so that's where I recorded my album. And um, I used our band, you know, which is mm-hmm. made up of guys who've played with, like, Zappa. Or Do you, like, Zappa. lay out, like, Reese's Pieces to lure them there? Like, how did you get them to come Well, they them? really wanted to. Oh, great. That's a legendary place that sure. they were like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And, um, you know, I called in some favors by having sure. them do You know, I paid them next to nothing yeah and uh, yeah what are we making for this by the way today next to nothing oh fun <laughs> i can let you finish my water <laughs> good that, by the way that water is complimentary here is you, it yeah you is you, this out of the tap yes is that bad is this tap water it is i can't tell because it's good here are you not supposed to drink tap water anymore i never know about this I don't know. I know you're su- not supposed to use a neti pot with tap water. Yeah, that's distilled water because otherwise you basically just pour bugs into your brain. Yeah, people died doing neti pots. <laughs> I feel like I remember you using a neti pot years before I ever yeah. tried one. Yeah, Sarah Silverman got me a neti pot, an electric neti pot, which I still use to this day. That's not a neti pot. That's something else. Yeah. Well, it's not by neti pot, but it's the electric. It's like a, a water how, pick. But how is it? A, what? What? facet of it is electric like what you you plug it in right like a water pick you put water in the reservoir you put in like the saline so it doesn't burn your nose and then uh you put one end in one of your nostrils right and plug it up and then you turn it on and it just shoots it up but i have i have a neti pot as well but i have just like the water bottle version oh yeah yeah so i just squeeze it and it does the same thing so my question is why do you need the electronic one because isn't just your hand squeezing the bottle won't that do the trick uh wow (laughs) (laughs) do we did you just pay two thousand dollars on amazon prime for like like 75 (laughs) dollars and i've had it for four years dude I'm sure that modding could have gone towards session members for your for your <laughs> I band. Hired a keyboardist for my fucking album. Uh, but no, we finished that album like a year ago, <laughs> and I've just I I have to follow up and I have to find someone to mix it. Do you need album art? I could probably me and my daughters could probably do the album art oh for you. Oh my god, I should have your one of your daughters do my album art. Oh, that'd be great. I'll just show just them show a- them a photo of me and say, hey, can you draw this guy? Yeah. Get ready to look like a butterfly and or someone from Teen Titans Go. You know who I want to do the album art is Sophie Kipner. Oh, yeah. She's great. Have you seen her art? I've seen things she's done. Yeah, not a lot. To anyone listening, find Sophie Kipner on Instagram. La Brea Boulevard. No. (laughs) La Brea. On Instagram, look up. I, I don't know if her actual username is Sophie Kipner, but if you do a search for. Is she PH or F? Because that might S O P H I E. That might that might be the Kipner. determining factor. And she does these things, and she has video of her doing these amazing drawings where she will like look at a picture and she I've draws seen that. without looking at the paper. Yeah, and without lifting the pen off the paper. And and like does a really amazing job. They're fucking really yeah. cool. Yeah. And I want to. I would love for her to do my album. Ooh, have her do one of those, and then that could be like a like a. Uh, special make t-shirts mm-hmm but like if, but record her doing the oh for an album yeah for or a music video yeah exactly or even just like as a little bonus feature like as a, as a little promo thing like hey my album drops in a week here's <laughs> sophie kipner drawing the album cover that's a good idea yeah i got, I got a few to of those. talk to so that is a really good idea you should do that 
record um, it, and then it's an extra little thing. <laughs> my guest is Chris Tallman. Hey, who I've known since what? Well, when did we? When did I start comedy sports? You auditioned. Are you good with years? Because I am not. Well, I moved here in '93. It was definitely late '90s, but it was. Maybe, but, but when did Channel 101 start? Because you were there for the beginning of Channel, Channel 101. Channel 101 started 2003, but I knew you way before then when we were still... Oh, wait. Before. What am I talking about? I moved here in 99. Jeez Louise. I'm an insane person. I moved here in 99. Channel 1 started 2003. So we probably met like 2001, 2002? Maybe 2000. Because, oh, okay. When Because you you were part of a group of uh, people from Groundlings who all, who all auditioned for comedy sports. Yeah. Because I met you... Chernoff, yeah. Dawn, Natasha, Greg. Yep. Uh, is it Burn or Bernie? I found out years after the fact that I've been saying the wrong one. I always one. say Burn, but every now and then I hear Bernie. Uh, like, I think when he moved, there's a friend of ours who lived here and the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. And like, as he moved out of town, he, he, he was, he was, I think, like, I, oh yeah, by the way, you've been pronouncing my yeah. name wrong. See you later. It's actually Bernie. I remember just feeling like, <laughs> Why? Why wouldn't you just let that myth live? Why? Why spoil Greg it? Burn oh, he's slash the, Bernie. I oh. haven't seen him in or heard from him in forever. Uh, we still, were at Groundlings together. We were taking classes at Groundlings together. Here's here's just a list of the people we were in class together with: Maya Rudolph, mm -hmm. um, John Belushi. That's it. <laughs> John Belushi, mm -hmm. um, Ronald McDonald, no, Emily Spivey. Oh yeah, who's a, an amazing comedy writer. She wrote for King of the Hill. She mm -hmm. wrote um, for Saturday Night Live. I think she has a bunch of sitcoms that she's done now. Yeah, Up All Night, I believe, was her. I think it was hers. Yeah, her creation. Um, so yeah, a lot of Demorge Brown. A lot mm -hmm. of people. We were all in Groundlings together, and Greg and I both got kicked out. <laughs> we got voted out. But you were in the Sunday Company, weren't you? No, no. We got voted out before the Sunday Company. Why? I don't know. This is probably not interesting for the listeners. Well, like, you know, it's a, it's inner workings of the Groundlings. Well, yeah, the Groundlings, For I mean, the people who don't know, is it's one of those improv and sketch comedy theaters. Like It's the L.A. version of like Second City. Right. Even though there's a Second City in L.A. now. Mm -hmm. um, but there was in the 70s. A lot of people came from the Groundlings to go to Saturday Night Live, like including Lorraine Newman. She was like one of the first Groundlings, right? Yeah, they're called so Pee Wee uh, Herman, yeah. Paul Rubens, you know, uh, Phil Hartman, Elvira was was uh, it Cassandra Wilson, Lisa Kudrow was a Groundling, was it Conan O'Brien was in yeah. Groundlings, yeah. Will Ferrell on a gas tire, Chris Parnell, Chris Parnell, Will Forte, uh, Will Forte was there at the same time as me as well. This is my, what's going on? I. I'm so annoyed with how loud a phone is on silent mode. Oh, the vibe. Well, once yes, it vibrates so goddamn loud. But you could set, you know, there's a setting so you can actually, when it's on silent oh, mode, do, the do not disturb. Or, or no, but this, I think there's a setting within sounds. This is a great part of the podcast where you can go into and actually have it not vibrate at all. Like if you hit that switch, it doesn't do anything. But you have to tell it to do, be like that. I'll forget. I'm the same guy who once put my phone on airplane mode for a flight and then forgot to turn it off for two days after. A oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wasn't that the year you were supposed to carry the torch for the Olympics? Yeah, and I missed out. Oh. Well, that was last year. I was in Oklahoma City and I got on a plane and I put it on airplane mode for two days afterwards. So how many messages? I was messages? like, what the fuck isn't anybody? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, my phone's on airplane mode. 
turned it off thinking I was going to get like a slew of text messages. Mm. Like one text message. <laughs> <laughs> the world did not Nobody even gives a shit. Oh, a lot of people care about you. Um, the guy from Del Taco. <laughs> uh, the clown from Jack in the Box. Jack, I suppose. My dentist. Mm-hmm. Nah. My, my urologist. Oh, yeah. Urologist. Like keeping business with kidney stones. Yeah. How many have you had now? Well, I have passed two that I am aware of that I physically have seen. Gosh. Um, and you drink a ton of water now as a result. I do right? now. Like, that's the trick. I think that was the cause was dehydration. But after I passed my first kidney stone and actually saw it and realized that that's what was causing the pain. It looks like a barbed dart, right? It looks like the meteor from <laughs> Armageddon. It's that fucking jagged. Is Bruce Willis on it? And Steve Buscemi, Rockhound like should have been Rockhounds. The Rockhound down there, Roughnecks. Couple of Roughnecks. <laughs> they would have been able to help me. They could have drilled to you know. Now, as long as they don't get space madness. <laughs> I just watched that movie. Why? It, I came across it on like oh. Netflix, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen this in forever. How's it? I'm just gonna up? watch a little. Watch a little. I watched the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I enjoy this movie. Cowboy. Is it a guilty pleasure or is it like, yeah, why uh, wouldn't you watch that movie? I don't know. I just feel like there's other things. I feel like especially, you know, I think every parent is. But now that I have kids, I find time to be much more precious. Mm-hmm. So like, right. Like I just recently got like a collection of Vincent Price movies. So that's what I'm doing with my time now. It's like Jesus. I'm watching Vincent Price movies. I don't think I've ever seen a Vincent Price. Oh, there's so many good ones to pick well, from. What's a. What's your favorite Vincent Price movie? Uh, right now, it's probably The Raven, which is a lot of people don't care for The Raven because he did a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe movies for Roger Corman in the 60s. Like, right. And so The Raven was a one of those. But The Raven was actually a comedy. It sort of took the idea of a scary movie and they lined it up. Nicholson is in it. Jack Nick, a young really? Jack Nicholson. He plays Peter Laurie's son, which is insane. This and then was a Roger Corman movie. Yeah. I think American International, yeah. I think is his brand. He yeah. really gave Nicholson a start. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. One of the main executive producers, last name is also Nicholson. I don't know if that's his oh. father or some familiar relationship or just a weird coincidence. But did you ever see that documentary? There's a, a Roger Corman documentary. I've not seen it. Um, I watched it over at Rob's house where it's, uh, I don't know if it's on Netflix or not. I mean, it's probably on iTunes at least, but you should. I don't know what it's called. It would probably be easy to find. It's a great recommendation. Um, Hey, have you ever seen a thing? No, come on. How many Roger Corman (laughs) documentaries do you think there are? It's giving you guff. They're interviewing all these people and they interview Nicholson. Really? He is crying during his interview. Like, he's so emotional with how grateful he is for. No kidding. Roger Corman. Well, he fucking cries. I'm pressing pause on my Vincent Price movie marathon. <laughs> I'm going to go watch that. That's it's a, amazing. I know also there's a documentary about the, the Canon films from like yes. the 70s and the 80s. Is that called? Is that Electric Dynamite? Is that yes. what that's called? I have not seen that. I feel like maybe I'll do a, a, a double feature. That's a good one. Um, I just watched the documentary on Adam Gold, Goldstein, DJ AM. I don't know what that is. He's like a, a famous DJ. He's like the first like famous dj well steve aoki is america's favorite famous no DJ. no he, but he came up with aoki and he okay. he's like huge he was like the first rock star dj fat boy slim no 
He uh, <laughs> he was the guy who was in that plane crash with Travis Barker. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Then they were the two that survived. And uh, I remember that like a drug addict and he he had beat it and he was in recovery for years. And then I think the trauma from living through that plane crash. Oh, yeah. Was just so much for him. I'm sure uh, he eventually OD'd. Oh, God. But I'm I don't know anything about DJ culture, but I was so fascinated by that documentary. Mm hmm. Have you ever thought about being a D, like a club DJ yourself? I could never. That'd be great. I don't have a, a wide enough. I don't cast a wide enough net with my music, you know. Um, no, I mean, well, you you could be like the sticks DJ. It's like every song is like a crazy drum beat. And then uh, Mr. <laughs> Roboto or Welcome to the Grand Illusion. Every song is a fucking Billy Idol song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who wants to dance to White Wedding again? Oh, and you introduce him. Moni, Moni. Eyes without a face, anybody. <laughs> oh, see, I, again, maybe your comedy album maybe has a bonus track. You could do a little, uh, little <laughs> scratching on a Billy Idol tune. Oh, I would love that. So, so you and I met basically through the aughts. Yeah, I would say yeah, 2000. I'd say 2000. Okay, so wow, 16 years. That's because I think I knew you. I think I was doing comedy sports pre-9-11. Yeah, that sounds right. So it had to have been 2000. Yeah, okay. Maybe even, well. It could have been that year, I suppose. But you moved here in 99. I moved here, in, well, I moved here in January of 99. Um and that sounds about right that maybe like around 2000 or something like that. Yeah. So we met there and just you get there was this a little group of people auditioning. I remember that just really stood out and you guys were hilarious. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was a, a weird period of like I had just been kicked out of the groundlings. I was dealing with severe depression. Ugh. Someone was like, oh, yeah, the comedy sports. And I didn't know what that was. And I was like. I like doing improv. I'll go to this thing. Sure. And then you guys all kind of do improv together, like outside of Groundlings or something like that? Yeah, or? we had this weird little theater that we would do it at. And okay. then I think it was Don Cody that told me and Chernoff about mm -hmm. the comedy sports auditions. And that's where I met you and like Dan Harmon and mm -hmm. Schraub and Jeff Davis and mm -hmm. Derek Mears, Matt Gore, all these people who I'm like totally tight with now. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. I think it'd be interesting that the history of comedy sports, just like the the bizarre yes. connections. There's there's your fucking documentary. Oh, should I watch that one next? <laughs> well, you should make it next. <laughs> but uh, so, Chris, for those li listening, you may know from uh, Crossballs, a mm -hmm. show that was on Comedy Central. He was the host. He was like the the um, Chris Matthews, the Chris Matthews, fake pundit yeah, host. type moderator. Uh, and that was Matt Besser's yeah, show, right? That was Besser's show, and Fulcher he, and Andy Daly were on it. Um, uh, Mary Birdsong, yeah. <clears throat> Jerry Minor, uh, Sean Conroy, who I think co created the live show with Besser. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, he was on a bunch of them. Yeah, and then a bunch of UCB people that I only found out like after the fact. Like Besser hired a bunch of UCB people, UCB people like Laura Kraft and Seth. Uh, oh, why am I blanking on his name? Seth, who used to run uh, UCB here. Uh, oh, Seth Morris. Yeah, Seth Morris. Yeah. Um, a bunch of people from UCB wrote on the show before I even got involved. Oh, so yeah. I, for like a couple of years afterwards, people would say, hey, man, I wrote on that show. I was like, how did I never know that? <laughs> Introduce yourself next time. 
And uh, I even before that, even before I met you, I had seen you as part of a comedy group called the Burt Firshners. That's right. Yeah, that was Comedy Central in New York. Yeah. Yeah, that was right at the same... That's like 95, 96, maybe? That sounds about right. I was at the sketch group. We were comedy sports Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. and then a bunch of us moved to New York, and because... It took a while to get the that live show up and running. Like we'd come from a background of doing six shows a week or something like that to yeah. suddenly nothing. Yeah. So we would like the way you do when, with your friends, we would get together people's uh, apartments, go up on the roof and sing dumb songs just to yeah. entertain each other. And that turned into the sketch group. Um, How did you guys find an actual venue to perform in the? Well, if, at first, after Comedy Sports ended, which is a totally improvised show, when that show was over, we would ask the audience to stick around and say, hey, we have some written stuff we're testing out. And we called that for a while the post-game show. Uh-huh. Um, and then, I don't know, we'd done it for, I don't know how many months. We'd done it for a little while, and we kind of like, we need to put this out on its own and see if it exists as its own thing. So we found, we were in the East Village of New York, um city you've heard of that place right <laughs> and then oh, so, yeah. we, so we found city. a theater called uh the crane the kgb theater i have no idea if it's still there it's on fourth street between like first and second uh -huh. and the first story of this brick building is like a russian meeting house i i think it might be people who've moved here from <laughs> russia or something like that the, the second story was a bar called uh the kgb and so the third story was just this tiny little r room that was the third story of a building. And these guys, I, I guess, who probably owned the building kind of made it into a theater. And so we rented it out um, and it had like folding chairs. I think it sat like 30 people or something like yeah. that. And we did those shows and somehow Comedy Central found out about it. I don't know how they came and saw it, liked us. They brought us to the Aspen Comedy Festival. Yeah. So we were there. We were there like 95, I think. Yeah. And based off of that, then Comedy Central hired us to do like we did a pilot. And we so long ago. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. And you're younger than me. You must have been like 21, 22 years old. Yeah, I was the baby of the group. So like if it was 95, I was born 1970. So I was probably like 24 because I have a really late birthday. So, yeah, so I was Jesus. Oh yeah, still just, yeah, a kid living in New, in York, New City. York City from Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. And the, one of the hard parts was as soon as we found out we were working for Comedy Central, I immediately quit my job. I was waiting tables. <laughs> I immediately quit my job. I was like, I'm going to work at Comedy well, Central. My gravy trains here. Yeah. yeah. And of course, I didn't realize at the time, like it's we still had to negotiate contracts and stuff. Yep. So we were working for that. And it's not Comedy Central's fault. This is just the way contracts go. I now know. Yep. At the time, I was like, it's Friday. I'm quitting my job because on Monday I'm reporting to this office. And I don't think we got paid for several months. Oh, yeah, dude. And I, I was, made that mistake with so many gigs. Just being so poor. Just yeah. so. I remember at one point, like, my ex-girlfriend loaned me, I think, like, $400 so I could eat. Like, it was uh, just the worst. And we were all in the same boat. Yeah. We were, I remember, the, like, it's so weird. Like, we're going to this office, and there's a computer, and we can sit, and there's a like a, there's a soda machine at, like, the little uh, coffee station. And I remember just, like, never wanting to oh, go home. My stomach hurts so much hearing these stories. Oh, yeah. It's just, and, like, I remember one time, 
<laughs> I think I took a, somebody, a girl on a date, and all I had was laundry change. <laughs> So I poured all the change I had into my like messenger bag. We went to a bar, she ordered a drink, and I counted out the change on the table. And I remember she obviously she was like, "Hey, um, do you need me to pay?" I was like, "No, no, I'm fine. I'm just doing doing laundry. Just happen to have uh, all the money I ever had wow. in the world right here in front of me, six dollars and forty three cents. Like it was horrible, but I Ugh. couldn't. I just couldn't. <laughs> Ugh. Oh God." Yeah, I so think bad. I saw you guys on something Tom's, Tompkins Square. Yeah, that was a like was a, a Jeff Ross special, right? He Jeff hosted. Ross, I think he hosted. Jeff Ross was. I'm trying to think. Dana Gould, I think, hosted the first one, and then maybe Proops hosted the rest. There was some weird thing where there was like there was an hour long Tompkins Square, which was the kickoff one, yes. yeah. and then there were like ten half hours, and they shot them all over like one or two nights in Tompkins Square. Wow. And I I feel like, I think it was different. I think Dana Gould, I think, was the host of the one we were on. And then maybe Jeff Ross was maybe the host of all the other ones or something right. like that. Yeah, but like uh, Dana Gould was there. Greg Proops. I still remember. Barry Sobel. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Walking around. Dave Becky was there. Dave Becky was our no, manager. No, Becky was there? He was our manager at the time. We Holy were with three. Shit, really? Yeah, Becky three... was my manager. When? Like uh, 2007 or 8. Fun? Maybe. No, 2000, probably 9, 9 or 10. How'd that go? He's not my manager anymore. Yeah, me he's too. He's a good guy, but... Uh, yeah, he's a nice guy. Like he's him. got so many big clients that um, yeah, three I arts. felt a little bit neglected. Well, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how you can just, with a group of people, find a space and just start putting on shows I remember after I finished my last level of classes at the Groundlings, me and my, the whole class, like we had like, there's just a lot of downtime. So we took our, basically our show that we did mm -hmm. from Groundlings and we just rented a theater down on Theater Row on Santa Monica Boulevard. Oh yeah. And we just gave our show a name. I think we were we called it Attack of the White Negro. Sure. And Phil Lamar directed it. No kidding. And it was like me and Maya and Emily and How long did you guys run it for? I don't know, like a couple months. That's great. But it was just like Oh, we want to keep performing. Let's just find a space. And like people would come. Wow. That's how we met Jack and like all these people were like it's like, oh, it's really easy. I it, mean, for anyone who's listening who's, like, young and wants to start doing shows, it's like, it's as simple as just finding a space. It's the hardest thing. It's the same thing, I think, as <clears throat> before you start going to the gym, getting over that psychological hump of, Jesus, I got to put on these sneakers and I got to yeah. put grab this towel and this bottle of water. Like, getting started is the hardest part. I think the same thing for any aspect of being creative. The hardest part is going, like, I have to make a movie or I have to write a sketch, yeah. like all that stuff. It, the hardest part is just doing it. Starting. But, but like with the firstners, the way we always kept our sketch group going was that we would, the first thing we would do is we would rent the theater for like yeah. two months in advance. We'd go, okay, so on June 20th, we have to have a show. We have a show. Yeah. And that there was no better kick in the ass. Yeah. And also because you had to pay money for it. So it's like, well, we got to make this thing fly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny. My wife was just telling me that 
she found out that she's the kind of person who needs to be accountable to other people. Like some people can just be go getters and just do things and set their own calendar. And that's great. A lot of people are not like that. And they need, and she is one of these people. She needs to be accountable to someone else. For example, to go to the gym, just because you're going to the gym, it's easy not to go. But if you go to the gym because a trainer is expecting you, now you have, you're accountable to somebody else's time. Yeah. I, when I was at Kimmel, I hired a nutritionist because mm-hmm. I was like just sitting in an office that was connected to a kitchen with just candy and cookies and soda oh. and hot pockets and chips. And I was getting so huge. I hired a nutritionist and it was the best thing ever because, you know, I would go see her once a week. And if I showed up. Mm hmm. And hadn't, you know, been keeping track of your keeping stuff. Keeping track of my eating and exercise. Right. I would feel so fucking embarrassed. Yeah. It was great having someone manipulating your shame <laughs> to get going. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how it works for a lot of people. I've, did you, is there any one thing that really stuck with you from that nutritionist? Like, is there one piece of advice or one trick she taught you that you still use? No, I mean, the craziest part was how much it was just common sense yeah you know it's like when you are eating something you know if it's bad or good for yeah, you. you just yeah no matter what i every, everything i eat ever there's never a time where i'm eating something going i wonder if this is healthy i know immediately mm-hmm. if it's healthy or not yeah Oh, this jelly donut, jelly's made of strawberries. <laughs> I bet you that's probably. It really is straight up fucking common sense and just putting in the effort yeah. to eat right. And, and I think portion control is a big one. Portion control. Also, for me, it's actually, a, it hurts me that I know I lose weight really fast because... What do you mean? I'll always be like, oh, well, I lose weight really fast. I can start this next week. <laughs> I might as well uh, go to Five Guys. Oh, I'm get- doing this movie next month. I can wait. I, you know, I'll start next week. I'll start my diet because I know I'm going to lose weight really fast. And then that I just yeah. putting it off is is my Was biggest I think I start we start filming again. I'm working on a show for Nickelodeon and we start filming our new season next week. So I was like this week, I'm OK, going to the gym every day, drink a lot of water, going to start getting that getting the machine running again. Yeah. All you listening who are 12 years old know that Chris, you should not be listening to this. I'll tell you right now, if you're 12, don't let you shame on you. Chris is part of a Nickelodeon show called The Thundermans. That's right. How many seasons? We're starting our fourth season, which which That's is crazy. It's dude. great, it's, which is, I guess, an anomaly for kids show stuff. I never knew really sort of the dynamics of kids tv in terms of how seasons and stuff go but yeah but like kids love reruns just as much as they love a new episode like if they see a commercial for a new episode they get excited yeah. but also if they just turn on the tv and go oh this is the one with the squid yeah that they are just as content with that so there is no Do they rerun a lot oh they rerun them all the time that's amazing because a you get residuals no no not for not for i don't think not for basic cable uh no you don't get you don't get residuals for that i think the directors still and the writers i think still get residuals but as actors no it's just one it's like a cable fee and then that's that but you get 
no residuals when it no. renews no there's no residuals wow you get paid a salary i had no idea about that yeah it's i think it's something specific to kids shows it might be why kids shows are the last sort of bastion of like that multicam sitcom is because they're super affordable right like, i love it because like I grew up watching like my favorite shows as a kid growing up were like Night Court and like sitcoms. Yeah. I love yeah. Cheers. I loved that stuff. Yeah, me too. And they don't really exist. There's, I guess there's, you know, still some on CBS, but they don't, there isn't really like no. that culture anymore. And everybody who still exists has moved into kids TV. It's so funny because I was like, oh, well, you know, you know, when I do an episode of New Girl or something. I don't get a lot of residuals because they don't rerun. New Girl doesn't rerun? Every, I mean, it reruns once in a while, but during the year, it's just so many new episodes. And but then it's not also, syndication? Then also when the show goes on hiatus, something just fills its place. Yes, that's A new, new show thing. will fill its place. Yeah. There's no more seasons. You know what I mean? Like, not really. TV used to be fall through spring. And that was all based off of because of the cars. The cars, what? Uh, I guess it used to be based off of it's the new fall season because that's when the big car companies Advertising. were advertising the new, because it's fall, so if it's 1953, fall of 1953, the new 1954 Oldsmobile. Yeah, yeah. And so that was, that controlled when, because now the advertisers oh, were shit. pushing the next big car for the year. I had no idea that makes total sense, but like, yeah, like now it's just and we've kept a the- new series will start in like July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have this new show starting in July, and you know that was Survivor because up until before that, because Survivor was really the big kickoff of successful reality television. Um, yeah, it used to be that you know sort of this time of year, sort of like April May rolled around, and that was it. Summer of reruns. Occasionally, there'd be a new yes. show, but it was always considered a crap slot because yeah. yeah. everybody was outside playing. Yeah. And then Survivor was CBS's first experiment into reality TV. Yeah. And it was a summer show, and it was a huge, huge. hit. And that was when all of a sudden people started going, like, oh, summer programming. Huh. Well, what about that as a novelty? And now it's just incorporated. Now it's exactly, exactly as you said. What year did Survivor start? Like 2000... I don't know, but I remember like I remember all of us going over to yeah. our friend Scott Chernow's house as a gr- like that was group community watching like yeah that was around the same time I think as as millionaire wasn't it with Regis that crazy yeah, phenomenon yeah. yeah they were the same night and and so that was like fifteen sixteen years ago that show started but they would do multiple seasons in a year so. 16 years and they're on like what season 30 or something Something like that yes it's my wife used to work on survivor she yes. probably know better than i would <clears throat> she got to accompany them to i think did she go to china with them or something she went, got to or had to well the, her, <laughs> part of her well she did different things for them but her main thing was working in casting in one year Ugh. uh that because you know it's like it's because it's a game show any show that's a game show because money is at stake there's a whole different set of rules that come in by law because if somebody wins a game show and there isn't rigid rules you can sue and that can potentially be a scandal and bring down a network or right. something like that so the way it works is when you get cast in one of these shows for example survivor you are put immediately into i i, I guess not isolation not quarantine but like they're all 
you know, there's no talking to family. There's no outside input. And you, the contestants are not allowed yeah. to talk to each other. They're all around each other because they're all sort of kept in the same you place, same hotel. Non-disclosure agreements. Yeah. That say if you spill the beans to someone, you're, you can be sued. For oh, yeah. Like, they're like million dollar like lawsuits. Million dollars. When I worked for like Temptation Island and Joe Millionaire. Mm hmm. I had to sign non-disclosure agreements that were like, we're going to sue you for like $5 million. Were you logging the footage? So were you seeing the way everything went down? Yeah, so I knew what was happening, and they're just like, you can't talk about this. Were you like to your friends, his name isn't really Joe? Little spoiler. He's not a millionaire. (laughs) He's a construction worker. But he was a big handsome dude. He looked like a like a he looked like Fabio. He looked like the handsomest guy I ever saw. Yeah, he looked like probably a prince back in like, you know, the seventeen hundreds or mm-hmm. something. His long curly locks. Uh, what a shitty show. What are you working on now? Anything fun? Uh nope. God. <laughs> it's God. summer. Nothing's not- Wow, good riff. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I wish I wish the listener could have seen the panic in your eyes. No, no. Uh, I've got some good announcements I'll be able to talk about in a few weeks. All right. Well, that's exciting. Um, yeah, I'm working off and on. I'm doing at midnight tomorrow. Ooh, who are you on with? Spike Ferriston. Fun. Who was a writer producer on Seinfeld. Right. And then he had, his he own had talk a, show. a show called Talk Show with Spike Ferriston. Was that CBS mm. late night? Or is it Fox? No, it's Fox. It was Fox. Yeah, he was like set. He's part of like Fox's grand experiment. And now he has a new show. It's uh, something to do with cars. Cool. And uh, I'm a fan of his. I've never met him, but uh, I, I really like him. And then the other guest is Eli Roth. No kidding. Yeah. That'll be fun. So we're doing that tomorrow. I read they just signed him to be the director for the Death Wish. They're going to redo Death Wish. And Bruce Willis is going to be the Charles Bronson. Is so that true? De- Bruce Willis, we will be wishing death upon people under the tutelage of Eli Roth. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think that's good. I could get into that. Yeah. Death Wish? Yeah. You're like, I love Death Wish. Yeah. Like one angry older vigilante against a neighborhood full of apple stealing uh, punk rockers or something apple like that. stealing wasn't that one of them like they would like harass the local fruit cart like give me that pineapple yeah, old woman also rapists well <laughs> they like, raped his wife and kid or i'm something. thinking more about the guys who stole the apples that, that's right jeff goldblum it was like jeff goldblum's first movie was death wish his very first movie no kidding one of his first movie he's like one of the thugs who like <laughs> rapes Charles Bronson's wife. I don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah, it's really because creepy. it's Jeff Goldblum, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe you're just chuckling about. So that's tomorrow. Wish. I think this podcast will come out tomorrow also. So if you're listening, tune in tonight at midnight. That'd be fun. Or what if they're listening like 10 years from yeah, now? Yeah, they they're might like, be listening to like, this. Like, oh, that famous comedian uh, uh, exploded, Steve Agee. I should probably listen oh, to some of his look, old episodes. There's an episode of Steve Agee. Uh, he had Chris Tolman on his, the guy who. Who uh, jumped over Caesar's Palace on a on a space bike? Yep. Oh man, I'm <laughs> all I'm doing at this point is waiting for them to invent the space bike. Oh, oh, I cannot wait. Oh, uh, I think we really need to talk about the fact that we were roommates, though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> when did that happen? Uh, move out of your apartment, and I took his place. Well, let's see. Again, this is all through. I was at Kimmel. Yeah, it was like so 2005. By this point, Kurt and Natasha were 
deeply in love and they were moving in together. Yep. So yes, that sounds that sounds it's like two thousand five or six. Something like, no, it couldn't have been that like because I when did I meet Sarah? No, Sarah and I got together in two thousand six. So this is probably more like two thousand three, two thousand four, somewhere okay. in there. Because we lived together for a couple years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> torturous year. Well, it was a torturous. It was you tortured me. Yeah. So uh, we li- I, I had an apartment in Studio City, and Kurt was moving out, and I think I. I think I just immediately turned to you and was like, hey, do you need a place? Because you were already coming over and hanging out over over there a lot. Oh, yeah. So then Steve moved in and terror quickly followed. (laughs) Would you like to tell them what you did to me? Yeah, this is my favorite room. These are my favorite roommate stories. Uh. I honestly have not had a lot of roommates. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you know what you nailed it with me after after we lived together what else was there no, to prove? i lived in a house in burbank before i moved in with you oh with mark right no no oh that was that was before okay that was uh that was like 2000 i lived with mark cohen who right. played sarah silverman's dad on on our comedy central show but then i moved into a house in burbank do you remember this it was a fucking disaster dude (laughs) i lived in the master bedroom of this like three bedroom house in burbank uh my friend matt was in another bedroom and then there was kind of a rotating group of people in the other bedroom always a good scene when people are just constantly moving in and out that's brother aaron moved in to was basically like a, a changing room or pool house area that was connected to my room through a bathroom. Right. Like so you to get, had to go through your room. Well, no, there was a sliding glass door in the back of the house that he would have to go through. Okay. But it, so he could go in and out of the house, you know, by going out around the back and then in through the kitchen or whatever. Like a cat burglar. Yeah. But if you wanted to respect me, you wouldn't go through my room, <laughs> which was, you know, he, we shared a bathroom and he could go through my room. This guy also suffered from night terrors. <laughs> so every now and then I would wake up in the middle of the night to the screams of what sounded like a woman being murdered, but were actually him <laughs> shrieking like terror inducing, like, like the hairs on my neck would stand up. It, it was so terrifying. And then I would be laying there in bed like so scared and then a few minutes later he would walk into my room still like out of it sometimes he would still be asleep and then walk into my room and just be standing there Mm -hmm. and i'd be like aaron aaron wake up and be like oh oh and then he'd just walk away other times he would just be so scared (laughs) he would just come into my room I was like, I, I, can't, I can't. This is horrifying. My what the story I, I remember you telling me. I know you were financially trapped there. I remember you telling me one time you were dead asleep, and you said all of a sudden I woke up and there he was standing there in his underpants, breathing like this. <laughs> so you were like this giant, uh, rage-filled underpants man. He's a big dude too. Was looming over you. Yeah, I think I think that may have been probably my clues. Like, oh, I bet you Steve needs a roommate. Yeah, and so when I moved in with you, it was awesome. You were a great roommate. Yeah, because you then you were- took all that trauma, <laughs> processed it. So we had this uh, and exercised it on we me. We had this apartment in in Studio City, or yeah, Studio City, <laughs> yeah. and you were doing a lot of shows at Improv Olympic, right? 
And so you were coming home regularly at like two in the morning. Yeah, something late. Yeah. Really late at night. And I was just coming off of agoraphobia. I'd just gone on antidepressants, so I wasn't going out a lot. I was still a little freaked out. Right. Didn't leave a lot. And so I'd be at home and I would hear you coming down the hallway. Well, I think I always parked in the same spot right outside our apartment. So if the windows were open, you could hear the sound of my car. Yep. And like I could also hear your keys jingling as you were approaching the door. I had a Darth Maul keychain and I was very proud of that. Fact. And so I would very regularly hide in the closet <laughs> that was attached to the living room. A giant a closet. closet by it the was way. a big closet. And so I would turn off the lights, jump in the closet and not scare you immediately. But I would sit in the closet. For sometimes 20 minutes. Yeah, and that's not an exaggeration. He, that, that, this is not a story. Exa- he didn't wait. He's sitting there for three minutes, and now he's telling you 20. He would sit in there for 20 minutes. Chris would come home with, like, you know, McDonald's or some fast food, sit down on the couch, turn on the TV really low so as not to wake up his sleeping roommate, Steve <laughs> Agee, and he would just sit there watching TV very what? intently, very quietly. And then after I felt enough time went by that you were comfortable, I would kick the door open as hard as I could and jump out just screaming. And you, part of the reason I kept doing this was your reaction was so incredible. You would scream. I was terrified. And jump up and shake your arms going, what the fuck is wrong with you? God damn it. Uh, oh, I was so scared. You would just yell at me going, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> and I loved that so much. Uh, and I didn't do it every time no, you came home. No. I would just space it out. It got to the point where you would come home and check the closets. Oh, yeah. Like first thing. I would check the closets. Also, you had a regular parking space, and I would sometimes also detour walking inside to see is his truck there oh it is okay and then you figured that out and then you started parking Parking in weird spots so that i would think you weren't home so that and by the way we had different closets in the apartment and you would change it up as well yeah oh god sometimes i'd hide in the closet right by the front door which is a much smaller closet and you being a bigger guy it just <laughs> my brain didn't have the tetris available to be like oh yeah there he's were in also there. times you had a desk set up in the dining room area yes you had a desk in your room but also in the dining room with, i think i moved it out to the dining room right with your computer right and so you would sit at the desk but you would also wear headphones <laughs> that's true so you couldn't hear shit and i would not trying to scare you i'd walk in the room going hey what are you doing and you just keep typing. You didn't hear me. <laughs> click, and I walk click, up, click. Chris. Nothing. And I would walk up, going, Chris, I am approaching you right now. Don't be scared. I'm approaching you. And I'd put my hand on your shoulder, and you would jump up, go, What the fuck is wrong with you? Living like a prisoner in my own home. It, it, it's it's worth mentioning. Before I lived with you, I had uh, roommates before. And they knew that I got real jumpy. Right. So we would they had a PlayStation and I think I was playing Resident Evil. Right. I always knew something horrible was about to happen because they'd already played it. I just got to be sitting there playing the game in the corner. And all of a sudden I'd sense that two of them were standing right behind me. Like they weren't trying to scare me, but they were gathering around because they knew something 
was about to happen. Yeah, in the something game. in the game was about to happen, and there was nothing that delighted them more than watching me scream so bad and jump up, and I would drop the controller so my character in the game would just be mauled by whatever <laughs> monster or shark was about to come out. Yeah, it was similar to you. Dude, this was some of the best times of my life, just (laughs) terrorizing you. And it did, like, I continued from there in that, like, like there were times I would hide outside the bathroom when you were taking a shower. I remember that. That video still exists somewhere, doesn't it? There's video of it somewhere. I set my camera on a tripod, and I just crouched outside the bathroom door. While I'm taking a shower. While you're taking a shower, you finish the shower. Drying myself off. Drying yourself off, using a hairdryer. I hear you just going to town in the bathroom. And then as soon as the door opens, God damn it. And I'm I'm like wet and wrapped in a towel. Yeah. Terrified. Like, fuck, man. You can't be more vulnerable than when you get out of the shower. Can you? Is there a more vulnerable? No, 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 no. No, just. You were the best roommate. God damn it. That was so fucking fun. I like that your qualifications for best roommate are not like, oh, yeah, always paid the rent on time, always did his dishes for you. It's like, oh, no, he was the best victim ever. Yeah. Like, oh, you could just throw shit at him and he would get. I wish I now I wish I would have videotaped everything. Well, you video because you showed me months later. You also video like I remember one night my room was always a mess. Oh, my God. And I remember go, saying, OK, I'm going to go clean. I'm doing it. I'm cleaning my room. Yeah. And I feel like 10 minutes later. I'm asleep at my desk. I'm yeah. sure I like sat down to look at something. And so, and there's a video that you made of, of me asleep. It seems like, uh, no, no, it's just a photo. There's it's a photo. I think you're like, I'm going to go clean my room. Cause I was snoring. There's a video of you on the couch that I took of you snoring. Oh, all right. There's but that. There's also, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to go clean my room. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. It was the messiest room you've ever seen picture like a comedy like uh, like yeah. a funny movie where someone's room is messy and multiply it by a million yeah. oh yeah it was just clothes you couldn't walk no room. i would step on dirty clothes and sort of say to myself oh man i gotta do that laundry at some <laughs> and point so you go i'm gonna go clean my room <laughs> and you would go in close the door and i would just hear music and then after an hour i'd go how's it going in there <laughs> No response. I'd be like, he's sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so I would crack the door open and you are not even at your desk, but your office chair is sitting in the center of the room <laughs> and you're just, <laughs> you're just sitting there sound asleep. I don't know how I did that. Sound asleep. Yeah. And I, I don't know where that photo is now, but there was uh, an, just an amazing photo of you in. It looks like a junkyard. <laughs> Like, like Sanford and Son. Yeah, dude, it was the like order level messy. A fan taken apart, like a bunch of coffee cans filled with nuts and bolts. (sighs) Yeah, no, it was a it was a pigsty. It was horrible. Oh my god! And then you uh, met your now wife Mm -hmm. and moved out and stranded me. I've never had a roommate since. Why? Why would you? I I wouldn't. There's no way I could live up. A roommate could live up to that. Thank you. That's why I, I now release you, and now you you can have more roommates. I've had friends who are just like told me after I've told them, you know, these stories. Who are just like, don't ever, <laughs> don't, don't ever. I've had friends who are sincerely like, don't ever do that to me, or we won't be friends. 
It's, and I'd be like, ah, ha, ha. And they're like, seriously, if I knew someone like you who was doing that to me, we would not be friends anymore. <laughs> like, really? They're like, yeah, I don't like being scared. Oh, I don't like being scared either. But I think you also you didn't do it so much that I was like, like, I would not come home and throw open every door. Like, no. it was just enough every once in a while where I'd be like, oh, God, he's not doing that again, is he? <laughs> and there were several nights when I would look and you were not there. Yes. So I started kind of getting confident in my ability to, like, suss it out. And clearly, on those nights that you were scaring me, <laughs> I just did a crap job of looking or I didn't look. I feel like there was probably even times where you did open the, the door and I was... I caught you. I have. I maybe I did. I have no memory of ever catching. Maybe that's sort of what made it so terrifying. Because I don't think I ever felt like I never had that emotional win of like, yeah, there he is in the closet. Uh, The kid is back. That was a really cool apartment. Um, Although it was, it was amazing. I mean, when you moved out, I had also just started writing for Kimmel. That's right. And so I was making good money, and was like, oh, my God, I can actually afford to live in a two-bedroom apartment mm-hmm. by myself. But it was completely ruined by our upstairs neighbor. Yeah, do you I remember, remember that chick? Her I name do. was Olinda. I didn't know that. I, I I remember her. I remember her name was Olinda because one night, this is after you'd moved out, I'm, like, laying in my bedroom. It was summer, so, like, my window's open. And I just heard her boyfriend, like, outside my window. We were on the first floor. Right. She was upstairs. So he's trying to yell upstairs to her to come around and open the gate to let right. him in. But he's face-to-face with my bathroom window, so I just hear, Olinda! 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 For like 10 fucking minutes. And finally, what? from bed, for 10 minutes, she was like out. Right. For 10 minutes, and finally, I go, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and there's just a long pause and he goes, fuck you, uh, Olinda. <laughs> and she was the worst. She was like this there, I remember a lot party of par- girl. I remember like a lot of like, it's three in the morning. Everyone should be asleep. But that's all of a sudden when they would roll in. Yeah, I could tell. I knew what night it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. I knew it was Tuesday night when... All of a sudden, at 2 a.m., she would get home. I, I assume she didn't work on Wednesdays. Okay. Tuesday night, she would get home after 2 a.m. with a bunch of friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a party. I could hear them stomping up the stairs, and then her stereo would come on, and just the bass through the floor. And I, and I would always tell our landlord. Mm-hmm. And then, so for maybe two weeks, she would be quiet. And then it would happen again. I'd tell the land, and this just went on for years. And I remember she you fucking t- hated me. I would like bang on the ceiling. Well, you tell me that you would go up there and try, like you would actually confront her about yeah. it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I don't think you rolled over and just sort of sat there and stewed. You actually tried to do something about it. Yeah, a it. bunch of times I went up there, and so she hated me. Like when we'd like pass each other outside of the apartment, right? And like I don't like hold a grudge or anything, so I'd be like, "Hey, how's it going?" She just would not say a word to me. Oh, like she fucking hated my gut. Well, because yeah, you were I'm ruining her party. Hey, man, it's four a.m. Why shouldn't everybody come over and have an egg McMuffin and scream? An egg McMuffin and scream, right? That's what everybody does, right? 
I guess, man. Uh, but you stayed there for a few years. What did you do then with my room? Did that become like your office? Yeah. Put a desk in there. and mm -hmm. Would you ever jump out of the closet and scare yourself? Because <laughs> that's what I remember. I remember. No, but I had a giant, uh, one of those cardboard life-size cutouts of Darth Vader <laughs> that I would put by the door. Have you told on this podcast, have you told the story about you and the giant beanbag? No. Tell that because we lived together when that happened. Were we living together when that Yeah, happened? because you had it in our apartment and you got home and told me the crazy story. Oh, yeah, because I was still <laughs> you a were TV watcher TV, slash TV watcher for Kimmel. Right. And so my job when I first started at Kimmel, I eventually became a writer. But for years before that, and that's the only reason I stuck around there for so long was I wanted to be a writer. Right. But my job when I first started at Kimmel was TV watcher. I used to sit in a room and watch TV all day. They had like 10 looking TiVos, for clips. right? We had a bunch of TiVos, so we'd record all these shows, and a lot of people were like, oh man, that's a dream job. It was the worst job because you're watching terrible TV. Yeah, you were watching what? The View. Yeah. You're watching Larry King. You're watching just horrible shows. You, you told me there was some rule like it had to be reality or news like because you guys oh, had yeah, to you can't watch narrative TV because that you had to pay for that because you were then like licensed like if you wanted to talk about Desperate Housewives you had to pay ABC. Yes. Whereas if you were, were at, watching yeah. like Tam uh, Tam was it Tom Baker and Tammy Faye what was it? Oh Jim Baker and Tammy Jim Faye. Jim Baker and Tammy Faye. That was that was fair game so that's why all those so it's all a lot of reality shows a lot of news shows a lot of talk shows the worst shit and so that was my job for like i'd be there for like 10 11 hours a day yeah. watching tv and uh and just sitting in an awful like office chair like a cheap like staples yeah like whatever you'd buy for 50 bucks at staples office chair really uncomfortable and then one day the jimmy kimmel show the studio is across the street from hollywood and highland which is a big like shopping area movie theaters and at that time it was like a brand new because they were trying that's when they really started trying to revitalize totally hollywood. new the kodak theater had just opened there where they taped the academy awards and there was a shop that opened up in there called love sack that sold bean bags but they were like high-end bean bags really and oversized like gigantic huge like the size of your couch yeah like bean bags that were like 10 feet in diameter. They were huge. And they weren't full of beans. They were full of like foam, like kind of memory foam. Money, like, candy, They were full jewels. of money and, and diamonds. Ugh. But um, I remember, you know, I used to have to park over at Hollywood Highland and walk across the street to Kimmel. And uh, every now and then I'd stop in that store and I'd sit in a bean bag and I'd go, Oh my God, this is so nice. And I used to tell people over at Kimmel, I'm like, you got to go in that beanbag store, man. <laughs> and then eventually someone at Kimmel set up a deal with, with Lovesack. Oh. And so Lovesack donated a bunch of beanbags to the Jimmy Kimmel Live. And they were in the green room. Mm -hmm. So people could sit in these awesome, like, beanbags. And, uh, Molly McNeary, McNearney, who's now Jimmy's wife, was working on the show, and she, she still is, doesn't she? Yeah, she's still there. She's head writer, she, right? Yeah, she she got she made it so that I got a beanbag in my office. Bless her heart. So I would sit in a beanbag. Within probably thirty minutes of getting to work, I would be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was like, I was like, 
eventually is like, I can't have this beanbag in this office. I'm not getting any work done. I'm just falling asleep. But I don't want to relinquish it. No. Back to the green room. No. I have a truck. I'm going to steal this beanbag. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you were stealing it. No, they didn't give it to me. I stole it. <laughs> that makes the next part of the story even better. Oh, yeah. So right. I had to wait until work was over. Like, we shot a show. You know, Jimmy Kimmel shows. I, I think at that time they were shooting. They wanted them to be live with a little bit of tape delay. Yeah. So they were shooting it like... Like nine, nine, like eight or nine o'clock yeah, at night. I feel like it was nighttime to shoot live for the East Coast, and so we'd get out of there sometimes like ten or eleven, and so I had to wait till everyone was gone, and then I go across the street, get my truck, I park in the alley behind the theater, I grab this beanbag, which by the way is bigger than me. It is fucking huge, right? Yeah, that beanbag was fucking huge, dude. Yeah, if you picture what you think a normal beanbag looks like, this was like twice as big. If you watch any of the old Channel 101 shows, if you watch Yacht Rock, Mm -hmm. there's an episode of Yacht Rock where I'm playing Steve Picaro from Toto. Oh, yeah, that's the Halloween one. No, no, and Morgan, no, this is the Rosanna episode, and Morgan Murphy is playing Rosanna Arquette. Okay. And so there's an episode where Toto is in, we're shooting in my apartment. Right. And there's not a lot of furniture, but there's a big-ass beanbag. And it doesn't look like a beanbag. No, it looks like a, f- a blob. It's yeah. huge. So if you go and watch, go find Yacht Rock online, you can see this beanbag. It's huge. So I am trying to get this down the hallway of Kimmel. Because, by the way, when they bring them over to Kimmel, bring these beanbags over, they're in a little duffel bag. They're tiny. And you unzip it, and they just open up. Oh, so they're like pressurized or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So getting them over there was super easy. Mm-hmm. Getting them out, it is as wide as the hallway. Yeah. I had to, like, just push it through the hallway, you know. And they're not super heavy, but when they're that big, the bulk all of a sudden makes it heavier. Like, it's just it's so yeah, hard to navigate of, with those things. I would say they probably weigh about 50 pounds. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and so... But they're just awkward to hold. They're huge. Mm -hmm. And so I finally get it into the elevator and I roll it out to the alley and I'm putting it in my truck. And I'm like, this thing is the size of the bed of my truck. Yeah. With no room to spare. Yeah. I was like, I can't drive on the freeway. This will fly out on the freeway because I didn't have a massive truck. I had a Ford Ranger. Right. So it was a smaller bed. I'm like, okay, I will take side streets home. It's not that far. And so... I get in my truck, I'm driving up Highland Avenue, mm-hmm. and there is a road closure on the street that becomes Coanga. I think there had been a concert or something, so Coanga was closed. Probably the Hollywood Bowl, Steve. People, yeah, the Hollywood Bowl, there was a show at the Hollywood Bowl, so I couldn't stay on the side street. And Highland, I mean, nobody listening to this, unless you're from L.A., knows any of this geography, but this main street off of, you know, in Hollywood where the show was, the street just turns into the freeway. Yeah. It ends on the freeway. <laughs> and so the traffic was just diverted straight onto the freeway. I had to get yeah, on no, the freeway yeah, after all in my truck. And so I'm driving and I'm like, I'm like, I just got to get to the slow lane. Mm-hmm. And it also puts you in the fast lane. Yes. <laughs> it's one so, of those weird ones where you're merging onto the, the left hand side yeah, of the, the highway. fast lane of the highway. 
And so I eventually get over to the right and I'm just like two exits from being able to get off the freeway driving down now at this point do you have the window open are you like trying to keep a hand no <clears throat> all right that won't work the, this i'm just going and i'm looking i'm going okay this seems okay it's heavy enough i don't think it's going to fly out i'm driving down the freeway in the outside lane the slow lane i hit a bump <laughs> look in my rearview mirror the love sack has launched out of my car on the 101 freeway at like 11 o'clock at night <laughs> and we're on an overpass so there's no shoulder yeah. i can't pull my car over yeah there's nowhere to pull over right it just launches out of my car i look and it just rolls to a stop in the middle of the lane and i i'm just like well i guess i'm just leaving the, the <laughs> beanbag there and as i'm getting off the freeway uh, you're not you're that exit is your exit I believe so. As yeah. I'm getting off the freeway at like Vineland, I go, I can't leave it there. If someone hits that thing and dies, it's my fucking fault. Yeah. And it's gigantic. There's no yeah, way someone's they will find not going to hit it. Yeah. They will find out. There'll be a thing in the news where they're like, a love sack was found on the freeway. And then someone will come into my office the next day and go, where's your love sack? AG did it. AG fucking <laughs> murdered this person. So I'm overrun with guilt. So I double back. I go to the previous on-ramp, get on the freeway. You're soaked with panic sweat at this moment. So terrified. I'm just driving like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> I come down. It's still there. I go around, and I'm still on this overpass, this bridge, and I have to get over, get past it. So it's like you know 50 yards i remember you telling me that you had to you had to stop before you because of that thing oh you're right i stopped before the overpass at the top of the ramp it, it wasn't quite the ramp but okay. it was before the overpass right, before the overpass where there's still a shoulder i i pull my truck over i make sure the coast is clear it, luckily it was 11 o'clock at night so there weren't a lot of cars on the freeway i run down the freeway grab this love sack just sheer adrenaline I am able to hoist this thing over my head with both arms, and I am now running back towards my truck. So I am running towards traffic. Uh, there are cars coming towards me. Uh, I look like Bigfoot with a boulder. <laughs> cars are fucking honking. I am like sweating. I'm terrified. Oh my God. I get back. I've put it in the back of the truck. And I, I make it home like that was just I remember you coming home and carrying it in and and looking at me like that thing is a little more dinged up than I feel like you remember describing like, oh, it's it dirty yeah. oh yeah well it was just rolling on the highway oh my god I love that story so much the, th the thing I remember is you describing to me like that you had all this adrenaline pumping as you're running down to pick it up and then when you picked it up only then did it strike you Holy shit, I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I'm running into now traffic carrying this thing. Yeah, I'm running the wrong oh. way on the freeway with this giant with like I'm sure any the people that did see me were like probably <laughs> look at that dude with superhuman strength. He's got like a piano. It was the size <laughs> of a fucking small piano. It was. It's over my and it's pitch black. They don't know it's a beanbag. People are like Look at that dude carrying that fucking boulder over his head. Olinda. 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 There's a monster here, Olinda. You need to leave. Olinda, I've come to get you and take you away. By the way, I found out 
within the past year Mm -hmm. that my friend Dave lived in our apartment complex while we were living there. Dave who? Dave Yaravesky. People call him Yarvo. Okay. He directed that movie, The Hive. No kidding. That nervous, that nerdist movie, The Hive. When was he, he lived there? He lived in our apartment complex there were only while like, we were there. There were only like 20 apartments there. Yeah. How do we know? I guess he was he on the other end? That's the no, only thing I No, he was on our side. Oh, really? Um, but he was there the same time we were there. And uh, Does he sometimes go into the Actually, name? you might have moved out. Olinda? By Good. that time. I would think. But, uh, and I, fa- I found out because I was at a party and Dave was like, Oh yeah, I used to live on Moore Park. I go, oh, I I lived on Moore Park, and he's like, what building? And I was like, I told him, and he's like, I think we're in the same building. I'm like, was there like an African bushman with a bone through his nose that lived there? And he's like, yes, because we had a guy who lived in our complex who's mm-hmm. like, he wore like native African clothes. Yeah. He walked with a staff. Yeah, he had like a bone in his nose. I remember, and there was also the lady there who played the harp by the pool. Do did you ever see her? No, I don't remember. There that. was a lady who played a full size like golden harp, um, and she would sometimes come out by the pool area and just sort of play it by the water. It was a weird building. It was. Christian used to live there. Yeah, our friend Christian Legu. Legu from the Valley Pals. Yep. And um, oh, God, those are good times. Those are good times. Good times. We'll never get those back. Well, or maybe. Are you saying you want me to move in here with, <laughs> with, with you and your wife and kids? See, the there'd be have to serve, we'd have to have several rules. One is you cannot scare the kids. They they would just be a nightmare. <laughs> that would just be because to them that would be too easy too. Well, they're they're like three feet tall, so to to them you are you are truly big for. I also are. feel like it's a crime to scare kids. No. As adults, like everything in the news, it was probably, I could probably be arrested for just saying boo and scaring a kid. Yeah. Well, the way you do it. Yeah, you would. Uh, yeah, mental anguish. If you did that, what else would uh, rules would I have to have? There aren't as many places for you to hide here, so that might be good. No, I would just like lay on the ground and bury myself in those blankets. See, they would like, the girls would like that because then they'd climb on you. No, but yeah, they would, but they wouldn't know. I wouldn't let them know I was under those blankets and then I'd jump up. While they're watching Little Mermaid or something. Yep, that's that's a, that's a good guess. The problem, though, however, is that they are horrible at keeping secrets. For example, yeah. like we just had, like, where were we? We were just at uh, the Magic Castle. Have you been to the Magic Castle? I've never been to the Magic Castle. It's really fun. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, there is, not to spoil anything, but there's a phone booth inside the Magic Castle where something happens. Yeah. And... It, but it's small enough that you can only kind of go in at one at a time. So I went in with one of them. Yeah. And I... The thing happened. And I said, "No, don't tell your sister." As soon as we get out, they can't help themselves but just be like, "Guess what? Guess what's in there? Guess what's in there?" Yeah. And I'm like, "I didn't know kids were allowed at the Magic Castle." This was like a Sunday brunch thing. I oh, don't know okay. they are regularly. This was like they had like it a seems kids like a pretty show. adult. Oh you yeah, have to wear a suit. Yeah, they they had to like get and, and it's interesting because you know with children a lot, especially for girls, a lot of their day to day clothing is like stretch pants, like just little. Yeah, yeah. And there's none of that. Like everybody has to be dressed for a very nice wedding at the at the magic. Castle. Right. But I highly recommend it. Do you like magic? I love magic. I'm fascinated by magic. You'd love at, at the magic castle. It's all uh, there's shows. Close up magic. Those close up magic. Like, yeah, that's my favorite. They're right in front of you. Yeah, like, a guy made like he had 
my one of my da- daughters hold like a, a pack of cards yeah and then he's like to sort of like prove like <laughs> no i can't have any access to the cards while yeah. he was still doing the trick we looked at and realized that the cards the pack of cards in your hands was smoking like what? he somehow may i i mean i'm sure there was a remote control involved but it was just one of those things where i was like how did you do that yeah it's weird when a my first very first writing assignment for kimmel the first week they hired me they were like um we're doing a remote bit in las vegas with jimmy's uncle frank and chris angel oh and so a writer has to be at every remote bit there has to be one writer on set at Mm -hmm. least and so they're like one of you has to go and everyone was like, AG, no one wants to travel. Like most of those oh, okay. guys were married and had kids. Got it. So they didn't want to be away. And uh, and so I was like, yeah, I'll go to Vegas. Sure. You and, and your love of flying. Yeah. I was terrified of flying back then. But we go to Vegas and we do these this remote bit with Uncle Frank and Chris Angel. And it was weird because since we were shooting it, I got to see how the tricks were done and it would kind of oh, bummed me out. Oh, interesting. So like, we would have to shoot them and cover them. And I was like, Oh, that's all that is. <laughs> really? Yeah. So was it all, was it all about angles and stuff like that? Like, that no, it wasn't pull? angles. I mean, there's actual, like there's actual talent and there's like a skill to doing what he does. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't even knowing how he does that shit, the shit that he was doing with Frank, I was like, I could never do this. Is it like sleight of hand kind of kind stuff, of, like hiding there's, things? There's other other stuff that's just like I was like I I can never do this. When it's we too, like you definitely this is stuff that you definitely have to practice and be really good at. Still, when we were at the Magic Castle a couple of weeks ago, the guy who was the hand who was thing in the Adams Family movies. Oh yeah, he apparently is also a magician, and he's. Obviously, because that cast was his thing, he's incredibly dexterous yeah. with his hands. And so, like, he did this one thing where he just kept on snapping out full decks of cards, sort of like in a fan, so that you could tell he's holding 52 more cards, 52 more cards. Yeah. 50. And I'm like, he's clearly like palming them and snapping them, but just the physical talent That's it took still... to have that concealed in his hand and snap it open. And he did it like six times in a row. So you get this sort of growing effect of, wow, it never stopped. I can't imagine how you do that. By the way, going back to documentaries, have you seen the Ricky Jay doc- documentary? I have not. Ricky Jay is a, a very famous magician. So he's, I see a lot with Mamet. He's, yeah, he's friends with Mamet. He's worked with Mamet. He's also in Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. He's the narrator of Magnolia. He, he narrates Magnolia. He's the cameraman in mm-hmm. Boogie Nights. Um, great documentary. Is it the one? Is that R- Ricky Jane is fifty two assistants? Is that I that? I think thing? that's what it's called. Because I think he had that as a Broadway show. Is that the one where like he throws stuff through At a watermelon, watermelon? Yeah, and it works. Like he throws a playing card and it like yeah from like twenty feet away. Like he's really wow. I don't know if it's called Ricky Jane is fifty two assistants. That might have been his live show. Yeah, but there's a documentary which you should check out. All right, does it spoil magic? No, none of it. Well, we're at an hour 15. Oh, my gosh. Battery's almost dead. Fun. We did it. AG. Um, AG. AG. People can follow you on Twitter. I, I am on Twitter and Instagram. I am Mr. MR, not the full spelling. I'm Mr. Chris Tallman on both uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. And you can find 
the Thundermans on oh. Nickelodeon. It just runs all the time. It runs all the time. New episodes are on Saturdays at 8 p.m. 7 Central. Uh, yeah. If, you, if you're in the mood for a family-themed superhero sitcom. Yeah, it's a family of superheroes. Yeah, it's a family of superheroes. We live in Hiddenville. Yeah. And we've changed our name to disguise ourselves from our villain from our villains. Yeah. We are now just the Thundermans. I was I've Thunderman for your show a couple times. Never gotten it. But you always come by my dressing room, which is nice. Yeah, I feel I have a feeling because I've auditioned for a lot of Nickelodeon shows right. or, you know, those Disney yeah. family channel shows. I think it's like sort of similar casting people. Yeah. for All the shows. I always get a feeling like I go in, have a fine audition. And then in my head afterwards, they're like, yeah, this guy's good. Let's look him up online, see what he's done. And they're like, holy shit. Nope. <laughs> that is entirely possible. We cannot have this guy associated with Nickelodeon <laughs> or Disney in any way. I think. But you've done enough uh, like other normal things like like New Girl and stuff like that. Like that wouldn't be an issue. But then, yes, then they get to some yeah, Channel 101 just, stuff. Yeah, Channel 101. But even just my Twitter account where it's oh. just like, uh, this guy's way too vocal about <laughs> his body functions. <laughs> well, Steve, you have an amazing body. And you love to explore it and share it. Yep. You sure do <laughs> masturbate in a lot of Starbucks bathrooms, Steve. Uh, That's not true, but anyway. Uh, you're, you're saying that to everybody at Disney. <laughs> That's not true, by the way. <laughs> That's just a funny joke. If you joke. see me in your Starbucks, you don't have to kick me out. If you're looking for somebody to play a weird popcorn vendor, <laughs> Steve Age is your guy. Popcorn Joe. Sure. Um, all right. Well, so look for Chris on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing this. I just listened to you on, I think it was the inaugural episode of for, for the Boys of Summer for Jen. Oh, yeah. Jen Jen Farney's Farney's just Have was, you done it? I just recorded one. It's coming up some point. Nice. That's fun. This summer, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. I'm very excited for her. She, you know, she just went to Atlanta to go do the Dana Gould show. Which oh, is, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I just heard, heard about that. I think that's going to be a great show. You should be on that show. You could be like Popcorn Joe, <laughs> maybe Cotton Candy Mindy. Like, there's a lot of ways. Maybe you could. I should just get myself to Atlanta and hide in their hotels and scare <gasps> the shit out of them. Please do Not that. even for TV, just to, for myself. Please. All right. It'd be fun to scare Janet. She'd, she'd, she'd be a good sport about it, wouldn't she? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> There's certain people that just don't handle it well. Though. The AG pause. Was she one of the people that said, do not scare me no matter what? No. Oh, she might have been the person who I was talking about that with. Oh, that could be. There's somebody recently I was, talk was talking about the roommate scares. It might have been Janet. Oh, I hope that was it. Uh, it it's possible. Oh, Did you talk about it on our podcast? I have no idea. I, don't, I think it was beforehand. Well, listen to the JV Club uh, when Chris is on or any other time. It's a, it's a good podcast. Yeah, it's a great podcast. All right, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here on literally the hottest day of the year. I look forward to moving in with you guys. Mm. And, um, mm. Yeah, we'll talk about where I'm going to stay. Yeah, there's some paperwork involved. We'll have to we'll, we'll work it out. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Bye. Feral Audio. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.